Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our over-gloves together for Tooth Life Irene and Katrina the Wine Genist. Another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast with your favorite peeps, Irene and uh, Katrina, aka uh, the dental hygiene version of Macy Gray. Basically, today. basically, yeah. that's what I am. Yeah, got that. Like, I was just having a cigarette before I logged on I to record this. Put my cigarette uh, out in the ashtray outside. Yeah, not even in the ashtray, just like right on the floor. Yeah, You're just like yeah, I'm littering in, in, in your living room, in your li- in your living room, like just, <laughs> yeah, as you just, in a plant wear one of those, in the living like, room. Yeah, <laughs> as you wear one of those like fabulous robes, like you just murdered your husband, like mm-hmm, one of those mm-hmm. long with the fur yep. slippers. Yeah, and, and um, I'm gonna pour a whiskey in a moment. You know what yeah, I mean? Just for you're shits. Car- carrying around one of those like. Uh, heavy metal uh, hairbrushes from like the medieval times. Yes. Do you remember those? Yes, I want to one fluff of those. up they my like, furs. They were like made of silver and then you had to like put it on a platter. Yes. I feel like it, we're, we're doing glamorous all wrong these days. I feel, I feel like, like we are. We think yeah. we're like so cute and like our like little bidets that we order from Amazon and shit and it's like it's totally not like that anymore. Like no. we need to we need to go back. Dial it back. Past June Cleaver, you know, vacuuming in pearls and high heels, like way back to like what was fabulous and medieval. I'm talking like corsets and powdered wigs. Obsessed, obsessed with this Netflix show called Bridgerton. Oh, I saw it. Do you love? We're gonna. I watched all season in two days. Oh my gosh! Like started watching it on New Year's Day and then finished it yesterday. And cool. I am like, I'm in withdrawal of you. Ha- you, it's it's fab. I don't want to like spoiler any of it because it's okay. fabulous. Well, I can't but wait to watch, to watch it. it. See, no, yeah. I struggle with this. Like, I I'm not ready to emotionally cross that barrier of watching the final season of Shit's Creek. Like, that's where I'm at. Like, I can't what? do it. Yeah, I know. I really? haven't watched it yet. And everyone's like, oh, and everyone like tr- tries to like ruin it for me. They're like, well, it ends on a really happy. I'm like, I don't even want to know. Blah, 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 blah. But like, oh. I'm just not ready to like emotionally go there. So I really struggle to like get on board with new seasons of items because I feel like I get very emotionally invested in the characters. And then when right. Netflix is like, sorry, we're not continuing this season. Like, I, I don't know if anybody show, listening yeah. is struggling with this, but. The Office is no longer on Netflix. And that was my, like, sit on the couch and not do anything show. I'm, you know how we I all like have that, that with Grey's. Yeah, you like that with Grey's. I do that with Grey's. Yeah. yeah. People were like that with Friends. Friends, like, got removed. and So, like, Netflix, like, did this, like, wipe out and, like, cleared out, like, everything. Mm-hmm. So now I don't even know. I'm, I'm watching Scrubs because I'm like, I don't know. I just don't even know anymore. Well, Bridgerton is amazing. Okay. And then we started this new series yesterday um, with Hilary Swank, and she's an astronaut. Three episodes oh. in, we watched three hours worth of it, and she like goes to Mars, and her family's at home, and it's like it's pretty epic. I am so impressed with how Netflix can have Oscar-winning um, actors in yeah. their like. Let's just throw up a season and yeah. see if it sticks. Like, yeah. how crazy is that? Yeah, they've really done an awesome job with that, and and the Netflix like series that are out there like. Black Mirror, you know, like all these and all these documentaries they're doing, like, I don't know, like they're just good for them. Like, 
They just they they <laughs> watched, took the whole. I watched the Sean Mendes documentary over Christmas. Why? <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? I don't even like his music. Like he's Canadian, so I watched it for the sheer purpose that he's from the same city. Yeah, he's from Pickering that my parents live in. So I was like, oh. okay, well, I gotta watch it because he's a homeboy. But I was like, yeah. why am I doing this? Yeah. Anywho, what can you do? Yeah, New Year, New, new Year, New, new Me. I really it. Do you do you have any New, new Year, Year's? Me. Do you have any New Year's resolutions for twenty? 21 um yeah yeah I have one okay figure out what in God's name I'm allergic to so over Christmas um every night I would wake up itching my entire body and I had hives on my legs and my elbows and my knees and I was like all right it's probably something that I'm eating so I mean I was eating a lot of sugary stuff a lot of sweets like everyone's Mm -hmm. sending stuff to the office so I was eating a lot of junk I'm like all right I'm gonna cut out the junk yeah. And see if it works. Mm-hmm. And then um, it the hives kept happening. Even though I would take a Benadryl. Like I'd take a Benadryl before bed. I'd take one in the morning, which is probably way too many Benadryls to yeah, take. Yeah, that's a lot. I'd still have the hives. So I was like, all right, well, what could it be? Um, slowly started to cut more stuff out. Cut out all of my gluten. Um, more onto like the keto type of, if you think of that that sort of thing. Um, still, still having the hives. And then I remembered you and I were talking about like my itching face once. Yeah. So I switched from my old favorite wines to this new crappy wine that has like no sugar in it and it's low in what's that thing that you were telling me about? Sulfites um, by sulfites. Sul- by sulfites, not not. What were what was the other word that you were using by accident? By, by you, but or? you were using by accident. So, oh, sulfa, sulfa, <laughs> yeah. But whatever. So it, ha- it so I thought, okay, maybe it's the wine. And then on New Year's, oh, um, I was using I bisphosphonates. Dra- that's what it was. Bisphosphonates. Yeah, <laughs> that was I was. Me. I, was dr- I drank an entire bottle of white wine. On New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve. Okay. Like over the course of a few hours. Like yeah, I mean, obviously, drinking. like you're not just going to like right. keg stand tr- that. Yeah, I get that. Five, yeah. four, three, two, one. Happy yeah. New Year. I'm going to chug let's a bottle. Just like, let's it. start it yeah. off right. No. Yeah. So I had I had a bottle of wine over the course of like, I don't know, seven hours or something. Oh, okay. uh, And then we had a shot at midnight of this peanut butter whiskey that my friend Gina Dorfman, shouts to Gina, smuggled in from me from the United States of America. Um, um, mm-hmm. Of America. She, mm-hmm. she was so cute. She labeled the box as lava lamp. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then covered it with yappy puppies. So just in case the Canadian border inspection people were going to x-ray the thing, all they'd see was puppies, like stuffed puppies. Um, so we had that. And then the next morning, which was two days ago, I woke up with the entire right side of my face swollen. Like, oh. I swollen shut. Oh, no. Um, so no no alcohol on January 1st, no yeah. alcohol on January 2nd. This morning I woke up and I'm still swollen and my upper lip, like the right side of my upper lip is swollen and my under eye of my right side. But when I look in the mirror, I'm like, damn, like this is what full plumpness yeah, looks like. Yeah, I was like. going to say, like, like your fillers look amazing on that right side. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> my left side looks like I'm droopy, have a little yeah. like Bell's palsy happening. Yeah. But on my right side, it looks fabulous. So I kind of want this to not go away yeah. for a, a little while. Um, but Good for you. Yeah. Good for me for having That's an allergic reaction that actually makes fa- me look better. You look fabulous <laughs> with your allergic reaction is where we're at. I love that. Anyways, that's so my good. that's what I'd like to figure out um, a that's little bit. Good. About. Yeah, that's so really I'm good. I'm I would that's my New Year's. Would it be you? Do you have a a new you well, resolution? So I I run into challenges because like I'm always in like personal development. Like I have you know coaches for all of these things, and I'm like I like every. 
every time I meet with a coach on something, I'm like, this is my next resolution. You know, like I don't like start on like January 1st, right? right. But I do have. So you're not a calendar year, you're a rolling year. I, I'm, yeah, I'm a rolling year and I'm constantly yeah. like just do, like trying to do better. Like I was going to, I was about to say constantly doing better, but I changed it to trying to do better <laughs> because we're all a work in progress. It's about the journey, not about the destination. Oh but um, I do have one New Year's resolution and that is I'm going to try to not kill as many plants this year. Um, I do not have a green thumb at all. And do you um, not use like an, a calendar? Why would I? Why, what would the calendar do? Like to know when to water, when not to water? So I've done that in the past. I had a calendar for when to water each plant and also when to fertilize each plant. And that didn't work. So now I'm doing this new thing where I just put my finger in the soil and if it's dry, then I water it. And, you know, I'm not trying to be all cocky about it, Irene, but it's day three and I haven't killed any plants. So I'm kind of feeling <laughs> like that's the way we're going. And I'm feeling really good about it. Um, but stay tuned. It's kind of like the running joke in my family. Like I always start these herb gardens and I'm, I have these like really amazing intentions of like, I'm going to grow my own basil. And then like... Literally a week and a half later, my basil is dead. And the thing is, like, everybody's like, how can you kill basil? Like, it's literally the easiest thing to grow. Yeah, and mint and basil are, like, the most resilient of the herbs. That's what everyone says about the herbs. But I do not experience that. And so it makes me feel like an inadequate human because I have, like, oh. a science degree, Irene. Like, I should right. be able but to, But you're like, not a botanist. You have a science degree, but you're not a botanist. Right. But I can keep, like, dogs alive. Like, why can't I keep a basil plant alive? So I'm, like, I I really, like, I'm obviously, like, very insecure about it. And I, like, probably need to go mm. to, like, some therapy sessions about it. But, Got you know, it. I've been really wanting to focus on being a better plant mom and um, so I'm working on that right now. Actually, um, you know, we're working on like dad's estate and everything. And one of the things that I said I wanted is my parents had this giant plant, huge. And so I said, well, I'm going to take the plant. Um, oh. Now, the plants in Wisconsin currently, we're going to figure out how to ship it down to Arizona. But my mother, before she passed, took cutlings from the like major plant yeah. and like propagated a secondary yeah. plant. So mm -hmm. I took the propagated secondary plant on the plane with me, which kind of looked like Aww. I was bringing marijuana through TSA, by the way, because I didn't put it in my checked bag. Like, I'm not going to do that. I, like, wrapped it in, like, pa wet paper towel and, like, brought it through TSA, brought it on the plane with me, did the whole thing, right? So the cutlings made it back, and I put cutlings, I put them in, like, these beautiful little, like, vases, and they're yeah. hanging out at my house, and they're doing really well. Again, day three, so I'm not trying to be, like, so cocky, but I'm, I'm feeling really good about it. What kind and of plant is this? It's a pothos. Oh, which are the, like the easiest plants to keep alive. Okay. Well, thank you they're for like making me feel set it and forget like it. I'm a rudimentary child, but they're no. doing really well is where I'm at. That's good. Just keep changing their water and let them root. And then the hardest part is going from water propagate or are you take, did you already take them rooted? They're all, they're all in water right now. And I kind of just want them to stay in water or no? They can't stay in water forever. Oh, I mean, they can. They just won't be as green. I've got a bunch of them on the side over there that I'm repropagating. Um, the hardest part is when you take them from cutlings to plant and you've got to like do a soil to water to perlite ratio. Oh my gosh. Um, can I hire just, somebody to do that? Do you feel like they're yeah, like... Yeah, me. I'll tell you what to do later. Oh my God. Oh, but then I have to like physically do it. Ugh. All right. 
New Year's resolution. I'm going to do it. Also, Did you get my gift? I haven't. I'm going to do an unboxing today on the Insta stories so people can <gasps> hop on. And I'm going to do I know I saw it. And I was like, oh, but I thought I would do it in tandem with the release of the episode. So oh, I, okay. yes, I can't wait. So we have to wait another two weeks to discuss this. Yes, but it's going to be so good. What do we okay. do? Um, okay. Also, I wanted to know, um, you know, with everything going on, we are still in a global health crisis. Yes. Many of us are starting to get the vaccine. Yes. Very exciting. There's yes. talk that there is another strain that the vaccination does not protect against. Oh. Now I saw there's a new research study out that's looking at the challenge around asymptomatic patients in the dental practice and what that could mean, especially now tell that... Me, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell so, me more. Well, the concern right now is that now that people are starting to get the vaccination, it's like the concern we had with everybody wearing masks. Like, we want everybody to wear masks, but then we feel that it gives people this, like, perception that everything's okay and they can continue business as usual. And that's really not the case, right? Like, just because you're wearing a mask, you still need to practice social distancing, respiratory etiquette, right. hand hygiene, etc. So the challenge with the vaccination is now that people are acquiring the vaccination, first of all, we don't, you know, I, A, I think it's good. We can start asking patients now, are you vaccinated against, you know, SARS-CoV-2? Um, and now maybe we can ask, like, are you, do you, did you get your um, HPV vaccine? Like, I think there are other ways that we can utilize this in this, this open door to really step into that medical model and dentistry. That's a conversation for another day. I, I love that you just said that because I realized that I don't ask people about their vaccinations and I have a thorough medical history. Mm -hmm. I ask them what their A1C levels are, but mm -hmm. I've never asked someone about vaccination, and that's an interesting light bulb moment for me. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, I, huh. I, I've been, this has been sitting in my heart for a long time. I want to do a program on medical history alone, just like, okay, for your rheumatoid arthritis patients, do you ask for a DAS 28 score? For your HIV positive patients, do you get a CD4? Like, what are some of the things that we need to be looking at, right? So, but I, I think in dentistry in general, we're going to start to crack that open a little bit more and really look at it. But yeah. the challenge, I think, is that, now we we don't really know who is and is not vaccinated. And now that we have this, you know, potential secondary strain, the concern becomes we aren't as protected as we think we are. And we maybe thought that we could start to loosen our belt in some of our infection control standards and protocols with us moving forward in learning more about the process. Right. Um, but that really is not necessarily the case. It's one of these things where just like with the HIV and AIDS, uh, epidemic that happened in the 1980s and 1990s, there are things that we are making changes in in dentistry and across mm -hmm. society that we that are, are going to stick um, and we're never going to go back to the old way. So right. um, I wanted to know, do you have any like infection control resolutions for 2021, Irene? Anything that you want to do differently? Well, well, do I ever? <laughs> and of course... The infection control peeps that we love to work with are our friends at Hugh Freedy, who have generously sponsored this episode. And I mm -hmm. must say thank you um, for um, just doing everything the right way yeah. and, and giving us the right resources to be able to implement things into our practice. Mm -hmm. So big fan of HughFreedy.com. I think I've talked about their infection control products before. 
and also the amazing resources that they have, which we'll link below. Um, if you go to their infection control kind of section on their website, which is hughfreedy.com slash infection dash prevention, they've got some pretty cool resources and one which is like a sterilization quiz um, oh. that I found really helpful. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those like matching the photo um, with the right or the wrong element to know what you're doing in your practice. I think we talked about it before. There used to be like a game that oh, I Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Your bar game. <laughs> so it, was like a, it was like a pool table game. Anyways, you would like match the, the things, but they've got a really cool infection control and prevention little section. Um, that's great. So one thing that I want to use more of is spraying my instruments chair side mm-hmm. um, as before I transport them to um, to my like sterilization center uh, using Enzymax. It's like an Enzymax gel spray and it's a instrument pre-cleaner. Um, and it's also great if you're about to put your instruments in the hydrum, but you're not ready to run the hydrum. So it prevents debris, bodily fluids and, and, and tissue and stuff from sticking to your instruments. It's really thick. So like one spray will get like quite a few instruments. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my infection control resolutions. Um, and also, fun fact, so we're we're still wearing N95s here when generating aerosol procedures. I'm not sure if that's the same thing where you are. I hope so. There's a lot, like, a lot of debate around N95s. Do you wear N95? Do you put another mask over it? Do you not? Here, we're not supposed to do that. We're advised not to put another mask over top. But I have tried so many N95s, and my face has been like a hot mess. Like I yeah. love my peeps at 3M, but those masks are hardcore. Yeah. Um, so finally I was able to get my hands on some of Hugh Freddy's N95 masks. They kind of look like the little, um, little duck face type of mask. I think that that's the easiest way for me to describe it to you after not mm-hmm. seeing it. It's called <clears throat> the isolator plus N95 surgical mask. Um, and it clips kind of not clips, but it, it has a, a nose band that goes around the top that you tighten and then there's like a little piece underneath your chin that you twist almost like a twist tie oh, that's for it cool. to tighten on your face yeah oh yeah and what I, what I love most about it is that the it sits so flat on my nose that I can still wear my loops mm. and it doesn't distort my loops I found <clears> with some of the bigger N95s um, yeah my loops were sitting higher so I wasn't seeing through them as they were meant uh. to be so I'm a huge fan like they only ship out i order them from patterson they only ship you one box at a time so i just keep going back into my cart and adding another box like a few days later and a few days later because now we've switched over to wearing these like 100 percent of the time I love oh them. that's awesome i'll post a picture of them on my instagram yeah um, post a picture of yourself wearing them on your insta <gasps> okay okay because oh you asked i love that that's my, so that's my infection control um my infection control goal and I think your infection control goal is also to be wearing my scrub caps yes that is that is my goal is to be did wearing... you open those yet they have did not arrived they have not arrived what? when they arrive I will 100% wear them um and I can't wait to take a photo of myself in them um yes I'm one of the lucky few who got to receive tooth life scrub caps um so i'm really excited about it i'm really i'm really sad that um amazon has um created this like we'll receive your packet within 48 hours type of environment Mm -hmm. because it's not like that for most businesses yeah it's not realistic well because amazon has fulfillment centers like 
all over Everywhere. the world. So right. yeah, when there's a fulfillment center down the street and they can just like put it in like a drone or whatever and that's not really right. what it is. I dated a guy who worked at Amazon. He was a, I mean, didn't work at, you know, he wasn't like, like boxing shit. He was like, he was a, <laughs> he wasn't Stuart from the boxing area. No, he wasn't area. Stuart from the boxing area. He was, um, uh, he's a pilot. He like flew their like stuff. And it's like, mm. I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll like ship stuff on an airplane. Like it's like that crazy. So I know. yeah, I agree. So my infection control resolution is and I think it's important for everybody to kind of think about this so like with the holidays the way that the holidays were um you know our dental unit water lines have been in some cases stagnant for a while like especially Mm -hmm. the offices that were closed that like final week of the year right yeah and some of the challenges that we have with stagnant dental unit water lines is that we know that um, biofilm can form in those dental unit water lines. And one of the cur- concerns that we had with SARS-CoV-1, remember that was in like 2003, 2004, yeah. is that we were actually able to discover SARS-CoV-1 in wastewater and in water lines. Ugh, gross. And we used chlorine dioxide to treat it, you know, back right. at the time to kind of eradicate that virus. But... The reality remains we're we're still in a situation where we're trying to figure out how to eradicate SARS-CoV-2. Right. So we need to be mindful about what our dental unit water lines are looking like and making sure that if there's an office closure, um, that we know the steps that we need to take to protect our dental unit water lines prior to reopening for our patients. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I love that um, Crosstex has on their website a lot of information about, you know, what tools you need to have and things like that. But they also have a document, a protocol for the things that you should be doing uh, prior to office reopening as far as cleaning and shocking the dining yep. unit water line, making sure that you're under 500 colony forming units per milliliter the steps that you need to take to do that. So I love that they have those resources available. And really, these dental unit water lines are so important. This is where we start to see like Legionnaire's disease, Pseudomonas, like a lot of these different types of, um, you know, viruses or microbiological diseases starting to form. So we need to make sure that we're not caught with our pants around our ankles like we were in 2020 with -hmm. these supply chains and all these challenges. So um, that would probably be my um, biggest infection control resolution is who, to who focus on that. Is, I have a question for you. Ra- Irene, Irene raising her Irene hand. Irene raises their hand. I just, just like quick. So I'm hiring a new hygienist who's starting uh, tomorrow. Congratulations. Uh, What's her Thank name? You. Can you, his, her name? Her, her name is Carrie. Um, welcome, I, Carrie, I, to I, the Tooth Life. <laughs> so who in your practice does takes the full responsibility of ensuring that all of the steps are taken. Like you mentioned, there's a checklist. So do you take turns with the checklist or is it the person working in that op that day? Or is there one infection control leader in your practice? Um, Great question. Tell me I want to know. So I right now it's me. Well, like of course, my it's you, op, my op is me. Yeah, and then I like walk around the office at the end of the day, ensuring that like things have been done. Like yeah. we put our traps and stuff. We clean them. We mm-hmm. we sanitize them, and we put them in the hydrum. Mm-hmm. Um, I even put my like handles and stuff in the hydrum. But, yeah, I, and I think that's that's. I mean. <clears throat> 
my I think this is the challenge in dentistry. My sister and I were talking about this because my sister's a surgeon and in a hospital setting, there are entire teams of like right. scrub nurses or I would I, I don't I don't mean to be rudimentary, but there are, are entire teams of people that do that. So the doctors, the you know, surgical nurses and all of that, like they don't even like focus on that. They're just like they open up their equipment, it's sterile, it's like clean. It's good yeah. To, yeah, it's done. Right. And the hospitals hospital systems across the United States are all um, they're all calibrated. There's like a minimum standard. They have visits routinely right. from their accreditation bodies or whatever that looks like. I don't know. Unfortunately, in dentistry, that's not the case, right? Like right. You, you really, unless you have a whistleblower in the practice, somebody who says something, or if you get audited by like Delta Dental, um, you don't have somebody coming in and routinely checking this, at right. least here in the United States. So that is a challenge. And oftentimes it does kind of fall to the hygienist. Unfortunately, in the state of Arizona, for example, I practice in a state where the assistants are not required to be registered or certified. You can take anybody Mm. off the street and they could be a dental assistant. Uh, Now, that isn't to say that that's across the board because there are dental assistants that are registered or certified in other states, or there are dental assistants that have their radiation or their radiology certification, their coronal polishing. You know, I right. mean, there we, we, it's the same thing here. It's okay. CARP certification, and then we've got level one versus level twos versus no level at all. Sure. So yeah. So the challenge with that is, as the hygienist, if you're a hygienist in a practice where you're like, okay, clock in, clock out, and the assistants do the majority of the ordering, they're the ones that order the dental unit waterline cleaner and the you know shock and you know all that stuff, like. If they're the ones that do that and they're not doing that and nobody's there's no checks and balances, like I think those are things that fall by the wayside. And I can't tell you how many times I get hygienists saying uh, or sending me pictures like, oh, I tempt in this office today. Like, look at this trap or look at this water line, yeah. you know, and you're like, wow. So I will say I'm very spoiled in our practice. Kima, my worst surgical practice. Right. We have a surgical tech or a, a scrub tech in every office. And that person is in the sterile area at all times. That's all they do. And that's all they do. Um, They also manage a lot of, you know, they'll bring over the, you know, the um, vacuum solar, whatever type of system you're using to clean out your suction lines and things like that in between surgeries or in between patients. Um, Mm. And they keep the sterile area impeccable, which in my opinion is incredible because first of all, how many times, hygienists out there, how many times have you grabbed a piece of equipment and there's like still caked on calculus from the last patient because like your instruments did not thoroughly process through the ultrasonic right. or, you know, whatever's going on. You know, I mean, it. there's somebody ensuring that everything is clean and taken care of. And when we walk patients past that sterile area, now more than ever, they're looking. They're looking. You don't oh, want yeah. to have all these like piled up instrument sets with like stuff everywhere bibs everywhere you know what I mean cotton rolls everywhere like you want that to be impeccable when patients walk by that's you know I, I things have changed what and it shouldn't be like that anyways like things need no to be in totally bins. they need to be in enclosed containers or bins if they're not being processed they stay in the hydrum they're held in the hydrum correct until they're ready to come out be packaged and then they go I think I think that's just something that like we need to do more yes. of and and if your instruments are piling up then it means that you need another person in there yes. or you need another piece of equipment because your right. f- work your flow is so high but anyways conversation for another time totally totally i i love that you guys have like a designated 
Yeah, uh, we're very OG, lucky. OG gangster that does <clears throat> OG. that. Yeah. OG gangster. A I'm gonna sterile, need, a I'm gonna gangster. Need, <laughs> I'm going to need one of those soon. Yes. Yes. They're really great. All right, great. girl. We have an episode. Yes. This is so good. We do. We have an episode with a lovely human. Um, would you like a hint? Yes. Please give me a this hint. this person is? Um, would you like a hint or would you like a song? Well, I always want a song. You always want a song. I ask you that just because I just want to hear you say I always want a song. I always okay, want Okay, are song. you ready? Yes. I'm not going to sing I'm it because I'm not, a, I'm not good at this song, but okay. here you go. I'm nervous. Kamala? Well, now I heard Pamela. Pamela? As, she, as they said the word twice, Pamela. And I'm lip syncing the word Pamela. <laughs> You're like, I don't get it. Obviously, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> Pamela? <laughs> I'm not. I can't. Pamela. That's Toto. That was Toto singing the song titled Pamela. Pamela. Because our guest is <laughs> Dr. Dr. Pamela. Pamela. <laughs> Dr. Pamela. Yes, Dr. Pamela. I love her. <laughs> this is going to be so good. This is a great oh, episode. She's like, you know, you need like some major inspo to like get it back in gear for 2021. Like she's like a freaking just, rock star. Just scroll her page. You're like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm back. I'm ready. Like, I'm how back. does she do I'm all back. the things? I know. And she looks uh. like amazing the whole time. Like remember when we were recording and she was like, in Bright full makeup lipstick. and like looked adorable yeah. and we looked like homeless and we're like hello I always I usually <laughs> look home homeless is my best look these days I know that's that's my yeah. look too homeless yeah. chic yes homeless <laughs> chic all right peeps <laughs> here here's the episode with Dr. Pam um and we'll catch you on the flip side on the flippity flip Welcome back to another episode of the Tuesday Dare podcast peeps with your friends Irene and Katrina what is up girlfriend Hey girl, hey, how are you today? Oh, you know, I'm just living my best life. How are oh, you? Oh, good. You look scrub cappy. I'm not, I am not living my, I'm not living my <laughs> best life. But pourquoi? Oh, there's just so much perio in this world and there's only one of me. And oh, so I know I just, I did, I did my best today, but you know, sometimes like you're like, but even my best, I'm not happy with like, yeah. Yeah. So we're, I'm just, I'm here having a glass of wine and I'm so excited for this because there's like, there's a handful of people that at the end of a stressful day, I'd want to like sit and have a glass of wine and like, and that's me. That's you and no. our guest. Yes. Which I'm we have an so, amazing guest. I'm so excited for this. It's going to be wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm like ready for like all the inspo. Like I'm ready to like, just, you know, feel better about my life choices of going into dentistry. So There's... I'm ready. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm so ready. excited. Um, I have heard so many different amazing things about our guests mm-hmm. and I don't think we've ever met in real life. Um, nope. She's shaking her head. Mm-hmm. No. So my, my brain is working. Um, I'm going to say your name the way that I envisioned it would be if we were like sipping Aperol spritz 
somewhere mm. in Italy, like in one of the mm. Cinque Terre, it would be Pamela Maregliano. Did I say it right? You did. This is oh, pretty good. Oh, yes. No way. <laughs> Holy, I did. Hello. Hi. How are you? Uh, Pam, Pamela, are we friends? Can we can I call you short form, she's, long she's form? Dr. What? Pam. Dr. No, Pam? we're friends. Please call me Pam. Okay. Pam. Yes. Thank you for being here. This is super exciting. Oh, my goodness. Thank you guys for having me. You're like glowing. Like I she, know. She's like just this beautiful, I can't deal with like how beautiful you are. Seriously. She's like stunning. She's got like impeccable skin and like just eye makeup to like the nines. <laughs> Her hair is like so cute. She's got like adorable lipstick on, and Irene oh and I are God, like, I can't we're in awe. She's like <laughs> no, the dental, so, she's the dental so version. She's the dental version of like a Disney princess. Yes, yes, yeah. I agree. You guys yeah. are too kind. Mm. Can we do this every day? Maybe oh. in the morning before I start my day. <laughs> we we just sit and tell you how amazing you are. We're like you're amazing. You're amazing. No, no you but it's are. Oh my gosh! Thank God my husband can't hear this. He's like, they know her at Sephora. They know me at Sephora. Oh. Like she needs to just stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, oh we are goodness. so excited to have you on the show. Um, for people who. I mean, everybody knows who you are, but for people who don't know who you are, give us a like a quick rundown of like your what's your elevator pitch when people are like, who is Dr. Pam? Like, what's your elevator pitch? I am the worst at the elevator Me pitch. Too. I'm usually okay. like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I have a dog. Her name's Senorita. And that's about it. But Aww. no, um, I guess my elevator pitch is that I'm a dental hygienist turned prosthodontist and um I really just love all things dentistry. And so dentistry is my hobby and my job. I own a practice and I, back in 2010, 10 years ago now, it's insane. Um, my, the hygienist I was working with, me and another prosthodontist in the practice, we decided to implement Canberra, carries risk management into the practice and we were excited about it. And we went to ADA and presented what we were doing, hopefully for somebody to sort of validate what we're doing, just sort of be like, yeah, guys, pat on the back, good job, whatever. Well, we were awarded the Adult Preventive Practice of the Year by the ADA, which was like a shock and awesome and all of those things all at once. And that sort of started this whole life that I had no idea was even out there. So next thing you know, I'm giving webinars and I'm asked to write different things and you know, um, one thing leads to another and here I am. I own a practice. I spend three days a week, three to four days a week in the practice. I spend pretty much two days a week working for Endeavor. I'm the chief editor of DentistryIQ.com and the editorial director for the Dental Academy of CE. And I'm also a chief development officer for Celerant Consulting Group. And I lecture and I write and I just love all things teeth. And here we are on a podcast talking about all my favorite stuff. So it's just awesome. We need to like... Okay. Un- yeah. Un- so in the words so of Katrina, much. we need to unpack, unpack that. that. We need. But, to, in the words of Irene, <laughs> we need to do a started from the bottom. Now started from here. the bottom here. But I, I want to say that normally when you hear somebody say like I'm, I've accomplished all these things and I do all these things, like normally they they look like what Irene and I look like right now. Like you're like so like you do it. What with do such we look a, like right now, Katrina? What do I look like right now? I'm not cute right now. A shell of a human. I'm best. I'm I'm with- a shell of a human. Like I you no, know, I'm not my best right now. But, but what I'm saying is that you do it with grace and poise and I can't wait to dive into how you do that. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to let Irene take us back because this is, this is the thing she does. 
take us I back, need to, I need to know everything yeah. about the person before they became the human that they are today. Because I am a, obviously a, a big follower of people on social media. And I, I understand that social media is the highlight reel. And it's all of the most amazing things that we do. But I, and then you get this person in your mind that I want to know what drove them to be the person that they are today. So as open as you are to sharing some of that stuff, I want to know about the pre-hygienist Pam. When, oh boy. <laughs> what, what, what did, what, what was your, I don't know, childhood like, like what was, what brought you into dentistry? Um, where did that light bulb kind of moment happen that you were like, hmm, teeth, that's kind of cool. Um, take us okay. back to like high school days. So basically high school days, growing up, everything, I never really considered dentistry ever. I always figured I'd be sort of something medical, but didn't really know what. I'm a huge animal person, always have been. So I always thought maybe a veterinarian um, if I couldn't be a professional hockey player. <laughs> so, oh, um, no way. Based, I love yeah. that. Wait, back you play hockey? Used to be, I did. I was actually really tough back in the day. I was the only female in my league and um, I was a goalie and it was my favorite thing that I did growing up from basically middle school through high school and then even into college a little bit. And I really didn't care what I studied. I just wanted to go play hockey somewhere. So I applied to a bunch of hockey schools and my dad was like, yeah, no, you're going to go to dental hygiene school. And he did the same thing to my sister, sent her to hygiene school. And you all know, everyone knows, it's really hard to get into dental hygiene school. So I was banking on not getting in because it's hard for people to get in on the first try. Really? So yeah, I cut a deal with my dad. I was like, look, nobody really gets in on the first try. So I probably won't. So I'll go and apply (laughs) to vet tech school. And that can be because he felt that women need a job. Women need a job that they don't Mm -hmm. need to depend on a man. And he decided, don't ask me why or how, that dental hygiene was the job that my sister and I needed to have so that we didn't need to He didn't have like an affiliation to dental hygiene or dentistry. Like he wasn't a dentist or a hygienist or an assistant. He just thought they own their own business. It's like totally different. Yeah. They just, um, he felt that we needed a job that we didn't need to depend on a man. He must have had a super empowered hygienist one day. I don't know. And he just decided it was a great job for a female. So my sister went and then me again, like, so I have an associates in math and science because again, I didn't really, I was just playing ice hockey. And then, um, then when it was time to go to hygiene school, I was expecting not to get in. So then I could go and apply to vet tech school and that could be my don't need a man job. And, um, (laughs) I got right into dental hygiene school, much to my chagrin. I was like, oh my gosh, now (laughs) here we go. But also the the teachers in the hygiene program kind of got to know me because I was there at the same school with my sister. So if somebody needed x-rays, they dragged me in. If somebody needed a patient to sit in the chair and get sealants or whatever, I was there. So I was kind of like their class mascot. So I just sort of, the faculty got to know me. I, I'm assuming that's the only reason why I got in right away. There was such a hard like waiting list to get in. Hmm. And um, I got right in, but pretty quickly I realized I was waking up in the morning for a purpose. Not that hmm. studying you know, a general science degree isn't a purpose, but it's sort of just like high school. You wake up, you go to class, and it doesn't really feel real. But when I was there, I figured it was so important to 
learn as much as I could because I'm going to be given the privilege to work on a human. And I felt like I needed to wake up, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't afford to be tired. I really had to care about what I was doing and I really fell in love with it. So once my associate's degree was coming to an end, I just figured, well, I like dental hygiene. I think this, you know, I don't know, it, it was never really going to be an end point for me. I didn't really know where my end point would be. So I thought maybe I'll be a researcher. So I asked my sister to quit her job and we were going to go to Forsyth. That's what we decided. Forsyth was the one school we needed to go to. Both of us applied to one school and thankfully we both got in. And I thought maybe I'll just do research or do something, you know, with my bachelor's degree in dental hygiene. So we go to Forsyth. I love what I'm doing there. But that's where I started practicing clinically was in Boston. Hmm. And I had no dental experience. I was an assistant for maybe three hours once I was um, I assisted an oral surgeon and I have a three hours of experience (laughs) three hours of experience (laughs) and this oral surgeon I'll never forget it it was a nightmare she was I was working in a migrant health clinic and I don't speak Spanish other than my dog's name and um, she was extracting these people's teeth and they couldn't understand me. I couldn't understand them. And it was the type of clinic where you had to kind of hold the patient down. It was oh, awful. Yeah. And then she'd extract the tooth and then she'd take the curette and kind of makes that noise. When Oh, my gosh. Well, she's giving post-op instructions. I'm there hanging over the AC unit, like trying to breathe. I was like, I'm going to yeah. faint. And I did a lot of disgusting stuff at the animal hospital that I worked in. But this was like, on a totally different level. So I basically like quit, got fired in three hours after being an assistant. (laughs) So (laughs) I I really had no dental experience. So when I started practicing as a hygienist, I could sort of spot a problem, but I didn't know how to fix it. And I really didn't know how to kind of set the dentist up, you know, for the solution, like Mm -hmm. my hygienist does for me now. And at the end of the appointment, it was so interesting for me. So the doctor would come in, give the periodic exam and talk about all the ways to fix these problems that I identified. And I'd find myself like listening you know. and, you know, I was like, this is so interesting. And then from there I was like, well, maybe I want to do this. And I worked for not the best general dentist. And I also worked for a prosthodontist. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be a dentist, I got to be like that guy, not mm-hmm. really like that guy. And so I went into dental school again, without really any dental experience, but feeling like, well, if I'm going to be a dentist, I have to be a prosthodontist. So I kind of went into it wanting to be a prosthodontist just because I wanted to be like the doctors I really respected. Wow. So you knew right away from the very beginning that it was prosto or nothing. Kind of. um, What would you have done if it didn't pan out? Being a prosthodontist? Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought about applying to oral path, actually. That's cool. So um, right at the end when I was applying for PROS and I had already gotten into UCLA, I did actually for a minute second guess myself. And I was thinking, gosh, maybe I, maybe I, oral path is my calling. I loved oral path. And I went mm. and I spoke to my oral path teacher and he was from the military and he was like, no, the most <laughs> unprofessional thing you can do is leave a residency program after you've been accepted. If you truly want to be an oral pathologist, you will go through your prosthodontics residency and then apply to oral pathology. And I was like, 
okay, oh, sure. Let's just be in school till we're 50. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and who's and paying so, the student debt off? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it ended up being one of those things where thankfully I was in the right place. I love prosthodontics and thankfully everything sort of worked itself out. So how long did you practice dental hygiene before you, was it those three hours that, what, that was it? It was three hours and you were done and you were ready to reapply or how long did you work in hygiene? I worked as a hygienist for one year. So full time for one year. And then you don't get far in dental school telling faculty that you're a hygienist without having a job on every Saturday for your whole life. So basically I, I worked for a, a full year, a year full time as a hygienist. And then throughout dental school, basically I covered holidays. I covered mm-hmm. weekends. I did, um, when we were on break, I'd cover for the hygienist in the office. I, I ultimately ended up practicing in as a prosthodontist that I was practicing in as a hygienist. So, um, you know, I, I worked for a lot of my, um, teachers in the, in, at Tufts. And it was really, it was cool because it was neat to see your teachers sort of practicing what they preach. And mm-hmm. it was neat for them to kind of mentor me, even though I was their hygienist, they would kind of show me a little bit more, you know, more than I definitely saw the year before. So it was, I just, I was so grateful of it. In fact, if it wasn't for all of these experiences, probably wouldn't love teaching the way I do. That's amazing. I, I want to go back to something that you said that uh, just really has kind of resonated with me. And um, Irene and I have interviewed some incredibly um, powerful women in dentistry. I think, I feel like that's kind of been like a trend this year is like we interviewed, um, Jeanette McLean Budd and we interviewed Dr. Mia and I know you and Dr. Mia are very good friends and it just seems like we are, you know, magnetized to these amazing women that are doing amazing things. And it's interesting. You said something, um, about how your dad, kind of created this perception or this idea of women need to have a job. They need to, you know, not necessarily rely on other people. Um, tell us a little bit about where your drive comes from um, and, and what it is that continued to, to drive you through being a hygienist and going to dental school and then doing your pros residency. To be honest with you, if you told me when I was 17 years old that I was going to be in school till I was 30 and this is the way I was going to go, I probably wouldn't believe it. So I'm really a huge fan of an evolution and of things Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, paths taking you a certain way because I feel like I'm kind of a product of being in the right place at the right time and also having, you know, having opportunities that have sort of come up. But I think... You know, and I, I liken a lot of things to ice hockey because, you know, um, I've, I liked hockey. I was a Rangers fan and I used to go and watch my brother play roller hockey because it was funny to watch him fall all over the place because he didn't have a lot of skating experience and he was a mess and we would just laugh at him. And the coach came up to me and said, you come every week. Why don't you just play? And I was like, um, because I'll get killed. And I was like, well. <laughs> the only position I could probably play in is a goalie because I'm a girl and there's all these guys. And he was like, that's great. You're our goalie. And I feel like that moment there where I just sort of said something and it led to something else has kind of recreated itself in life. And I don't know if I would have done it if I had a chance to think about it. And one thing that I always, that's always kind of stayed with me is all of these opportunities that come up 
to this day, I mean, it's been 10 years since we won the Adult Preventive Practice of the Year. It's still an honor. And I refuse to say no to something because I'm afraid of it. And so I oftentimes say yes to things more often than I probably should. But I just feel like, well, if I'm going to say no, why am I saying no? Is it because I'm afraid to stand in front of, you know, tens, hundreds, thousands of people? Or am I, you know, it, like, what's this about? Mm-hmm. And I've just decided that early on that I'm not going to say no to things because I'm afraid of them. And I'm going to continue to do things as long as they continue to be an honor. I say yes. I'm a yes lady. Yeah. We've we've talked about that before. Katrina yeah. and I are very much the say yes. I feel like my motto has always been say yes and figure it out later. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you're cursing my, yourself my when you're laughs. figuring it He's out. Like, you're like, you've accepted to do X, Y, and Z. Have you done that before? I'm like, no, but I'll, you know, I'll figure it out. And do you have a speaking topic on this topic? Uh, nope. We'll, nope. But we'll, I can, we'll figure, I can figure it, out. it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really powerful for people that are listening because, yeah. again, leading back to the highlight reel, like they see all of these massive achievements. And to some people, it might seem like unattainable goals. And I think that's important that it just starts with a yes. It starts with a let's try it and see. And what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, what's the worst thing that you think has ever happened? Has there any, has there been anything that you've ever tried? And, and then you're, you've, you know, epic fail. That's like a, that's like a tooth, Irene. I can't, wow. We're getting deep. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I feel it in my, in my, my heart, my loins. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, this one is for you then. You'll love this. Um, Fun fact, not so fun fun fact. fact. Yes, fun fact. Um, We love fun fact. No, this is a not so fun fact actually, but it's a fact. I failed my clinical dental hygiene boards twice. The first time, oh my gosh, this was like, oh my gosh, an albatross that I wore for such a long time. First things first, dental hygiene school was awesome. I loved it. I was motivated. I was inspired. I was class president. I was like, my future's so bright. I got to wear shades until the boards. (laughs) And the first time I took the boards, now there was only 17 hygienists in my class and historically everybody passed. And again, I did great in hygiene school. I should have nothing to worry about. Well, I got a 45 on my clinical exam because apparently on the NERB, if you didn't know this, I can tell you because I failed it. If you get marked off for calculus detection, you get marked off twice because if they they don't feel you've detected it, you can't remove it. So you sort of get like a double whammy. Unpack this because I'm Canadian. Oh, yes. (laughs) Irene doesn't understand. Um, I'm Canadian and here you don't have to do a clinical board unless you go to a school that's non-accredited. So for the Canadian peeps listening, what does a clinical board look like? Okay, well, first things first, it's super stressful and it's a nightmare. So you find a patient, they cert- they have to have certain criteria, pocket depth, calculus, radiographic calculus, whatever, that they fall into a criteria and they either qualify for the exam or they don't. And so you bring this patient and then they go in front, they sit in front of the examiners and the examiner says, yes, there's calculus here. Yes, there's this here. Yes, there's that there, whatever. So if they decide that they don't see calculus, even though you might be able to feel it and see it on an x-ray, you 
pretty much fail before you even start your test. I'll never forget you this. fail so, if your patient doesn't qualify? Yes. Yeah. And it's based on a criteria of one human being's decision, not a checklist or a... <clears throat> Um, they, they calibrate. So they'll have like a few examiner. It depends on there's, and this is the other problem too. There are different regional clinical boards. So, you know, Dr. Pam took the NERB. I took credits. And so it, it, all of the clinical exams are different and they, the States don't accept, accept each clinical board. So it's like, it's kind of a nightmare. Um, so it, it really depends. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, but your patient, your patient, your patient is in. Yeah. So your patient didn't get in, so fail Well, one. I didn't know. So I'll never forget this. I was so nervous. And I remember, and it's timed. So I remember on the paper, there was no time. There was no finish time. So I like sit there and I wait for the chief examiner to come over. And I'm like, hello, hi. Uh, there's no there's no time here. And he's like, well, I guess it doesn't matter then. And I was like, oh my Ooh. gosh. So I was just like jarred at the beginning of this whole test. So I go through the test and I'm, you know, and you know, like you're scaling, scaling, scaling. You mm -hmm. think you're done. You're going to scale some more, whatever. But they had me marked off for calculus detection. So then therefore you get double marked off for calculus removal. So as the, our, my classes, our tests, our exam results came in, my friends called me and they're like, oh my gosh, I failed. And I was like, oh, that's so sad. I'm so sorry for you. Next thing you know, my results come. I failed. And I was like, how can I fail? How can I get a 45? I don't have a 45 on anything in my life. Like what? I was so upset. It was so stressful and I couldn't believe it. So round two, I'm now not even taking it at my school. We had to schlep all the way to NYU oh. to take oh. it. So you're not on and, home turf uh, anymore. You're not, not on home clinic. turf. You know, mm -hmm. Yeah. Nope. Take it again. And I'll never forget this. I had my dad as my patient. And I was like, okay, well, I'll be, oh. I won't be nervous because my dad is here and it's going to be great. And we can go out to Vincent's after and do whatever. And so, oh my gosh, second time results come. I got a 40. I did worse the second time mm. than I did the first time. Oh my god. And gosh. I was like, I don't think I'm cut out for this. Like I really think I need a different forever job because this is not going to work out. And same sort of thing. Um I'll never forget it. They selected when you have they also as part of the test, they select two teeth that you had to probe and record probing depths. They gave me a Pontic tooth. I'll never forget it. And <laughs> I'm like, is this a joke? Is this not a joke? Like, I don't even know. What did you write? Zero, zero, zero? Like, <laughs> to be honest with you, it was just insane. So finally, I was like, okay, round three, I need to find the best patient. Like, I don't even know. So my dad owns a, um, a steel shop. And so he got on the intercom. I'll never forget it. He's like, everybody line up. And so all of his workers lined up and I was there in the shop with like a flashlight looking <laughs> in all these people's mouths. And I found this guy who was probably, I don't know, like 25 years old, hadn't gotten his teeth cleaned in like 10 or 15 years. He was a smoker. He had calculus everywhere. It was like a nightmare. I was like, you are perfect because if I can see it from like here, then there's yeah, no yeah. way an examiner is not going to see it. Oh my gosh, this poor guy. I scaled and scaled and scaled. Like they talk about digging to China. Like that Ooh. was me. I was just like, the kid was like, are you almost done? I'm like, I don't know. I'm I, just don't know. I don't know. Scaling, scaling. And oh. so, oh my gosh, I think you need like 
I don't know, a 70 something to pass. And I got like two points above passing. And I was like, this was the hardest test. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was crazy. And come the Mm. dental board, I was like, oh my gosh, if I failed the hygiene board twice, I'm in this for like five times. I don't even know what to tell you. And um, yeah, it was terrible. But yeah, fun fact, failed the hygiene board twice. Took it three times. Wow. That's amazing. For everybody listening. It is not amazing. (laughs) No, it is. People are getting flashbacks right now. I'm sure people are getting flashbacks and saying this happened to me. We all remember our clinical boards. It's a nightmare. It is an absolute nightmare. But I think it's it tells people that like your performance on your national boards or your clinical boards is not a predictor of what you're capable of within your career. Yes, get up and keep going. And that was sort of what had to happen because obviously I needed my dental hygiene license. You don't go to dental hygiene school and not leave a dental hygienist. Um, at least I wasn't going yeah. to. And yeah, that was a that was one of the things that it was just it was becoming like a joke in my family. Like <laughs> this girl, she did so well in school and she can't pass this test. But thankfully, uh, you know, third time's a charm. So, what was the evolution from practicing for someone else to doing your own thing? Okay, so I started right after residency. I stayed in LA for a year and I taught and worked in two practices. And um, I wanted to be closer to family. And so my family's all in New York and New Jersey. And I wasn't sure where I was going to live after I moved back from LA. So um, I was either going to be back to Boston where I went and got my bachelor's degree or, you know, closer to my family in New York or New Jersey. And it was just easier to find a job in Boston it was, because I had been there as a student. I'd been there as a hygienist. And so it was just seemed like an easier start for me. So I had a teaching job at Tufts set up like instantly, which was amazing. And the office I was practicing in as a hygienist invited me back to work as an associate. So I was excited about that. And one of my best friends who I did my residency with, she finished a couple of years before I did, she was in Boston and she was like, oh, I'll find you a job. And so she asked the implant rep who hooked me up with an office and I came back and had two office positions and a teaching position. So that sort of filled my week. I wasn't 100% happy in the practices I was in. I loved the patients. I loved the people I was working with, but it was like this I didn't like about this office, this I didn't love about that office. So I then moved on to another practice where I thought all my problems would be solved. I'm going to work in a fee-for-service practice in downtown Boston. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> and it was sort of like it it opened other challenges. So an issue I didn't have in this office, I might not have in this new office, but then there was something here that didn't really make me happy. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know what, if I'm going to always have something that, you know, is a challenge or something like that, I'd rather own those challenges and I'd rather just do it myself and do things my own way. So in, I finished residency in 2007. And so in 2014, I decided to take the leap and buy a practice. And so actually that same bestie of mine that found a job for me in Boston when I first moved back, she used to work as an associate in the practice I bought. And she said, oh, this lady, she's getting older. Like you should call her and see if she would be interested in selling. So that's what I did. And she needed shoulder surgery and it was kind of time for her to retire anyway. 
And so it was kind of perfect. She was a general dentist who practiced similar to a prosthodontist. And the transition was pretty easy, obviously, for the patients because we're similar demographic. I am a prosthodontist. She, you know, practiced as one more or less. So it was, um, it was kind of the right practice for me. It was a small practice and it was kind of the, uh, I didn't have to move. It was only about 15, 20 minutes from my house. So it was just, well, it seemed good. like all roads led to this practice. In working in a prosto practice, what does that position or job description look like? Well, I can start by telling you that when I bought the office, I remember looking around and thinking, I have so much to do. This place mm-hmm. is so old. Yeah. It was had a lot of original 1982 types of equipment and furnishings and carpeting and whatever. And so I knew that I had a lot of things to change. My first thing that I knew I could not live without was digital radiographs. I'll never mm-hmm. forget. My assistant was like, we need to buy Fixer. And I just remember saying, "What? I'm not spending five <laughs> cents dying. on a thing of Fixer. Like Fixer, forget it. I said, we're getting digital like now. No. Yeah. And um, in fact, because I didn't want anybody to try to develop an x-ray, I actually gave my x-ray developer to my old hygiene program. I was like, get this thing out of here. <laughs> I'm like, no looking back. So I, it's not in my nature to buy a practice and fire people. It's just not me. And so I really tried hard to kind of work with the existing staff. Basically, COVID hit, and for one reason or another, we don't have to get into gory details. Um, Hygienist is gone. Assistant is gone. And finally, I have my team. I feel like I have the team that um, is, is, it's my crew now, which is really amazing. And um, I have to give a shout out and a thank God for Amber Auger. Yeah. She practices. She's in Boston, and yeah. she works with she's me been on um, our podcast twice. Once we okay, interviewed so, her, and once she helped me co-host the podcast. Well, she helped me oh, cool. because you <laughs> missed, I couldn't be there. You were funny. I was yes. perfect. So you you know I'm her. Happy. She's yeah amazing. Um, she yeah. works with me one just about one day a month, and um, she introduced me to my every my other hygienist that's with me three days a week who is just, oh my gosh, just a dream boat. She does, she's just amazing. And it's so, I feel like I'm being spoiled now. I feel mm-hmm. like the, um, my assistant that I have, Amber introduced me to her coincidentally. So if you need anybody in your office, just ask <laughs> Amber. She's like the <laughs> best Amber. matchmaker for her team. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. And um, gosh, it's just, it's been amazing. And as much as this bit has been a challenging, disappointing, frustrating, sad year, it, for me, it's been kind of eye-opening, empowering. I came back from COVID really not wanting things to be the way that they were. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy, now they are. And so you asked about what a hygienist's role is in a prosthodontic practice. Um, I am a prosthodontist and I do have a lot of heavily restored patients, but I have a pretty large cohort of patients where I'm just their dentist. So if they need a filling, if they if they needed a root canal or something like that, I would refer that out. But for the most part, um, I have regular maintenance type patients too. So she gets an hour per patient. Um, and I've, I feel like with COVID, a lot of the changes took place in the hygiene room. Mm-hmm. And I think because, um, you know, 
standard hygienists. And obviously, I know what I know from hygiene school from the 90s, but a lot has changed. And so um, she uses the Florida probe. So I mm-hmm. hear that thing going on all the time. The only thing sad about it is you don't hear music that much in the front of the office because mm-hmm. it has to be quiet to record so she can record her findings. But um, we have a lot of suction going on in there. She's got the Airflow Prophylaxis Master, which is amazing. And she um, uses the intraoral camera all the time. And yeah. so basically in my office and in my opinion, I just don't think that there should ever be a reason that you don't do the best job you could possibly mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think that technology, materials, equipment, whatever should hold you back from doing the best job that you can for your patients. So that's really cool. That's amazing. It sounds like it sounds like you uh, you value your team quite a bit, and not only as human beings but as clinicians. And I think that's quite rare. I I remember you know people asking why I decided to open my own practice, and one of my answers was I I didn't want to ask for permission anymore, or I didn't want to ask for permission to order new instruments or a piece of equipment or the taste of the different flavors of fluoride or profi paste, like something as little and as it's seemingly unimportant as that. So it sounds like, you know, you're open if, if they need it to do a better job to treat your patients and their patients better. It sounds like you value them enough to just say, if you need it, get it kind of thing. Mm. Um, And that's, that's really nice. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, we have a lot of hygienists that listen to this podcast. And, you know, I I guess I'm wondering if you could give a piece of advice to hygienists that wish that their doctors were more in alignment with you. I mean, as a hygienist, you listen to that and you're like, I wish I could work for Dr. Pam. I I wish that my doctor felt that way. I wish that I had the autonomy. I wish that I could order the equipment that I needed or that I could be more involved in the patient process of care. What are some pieces of advice based on the things that you know as a hygienist and as a doctor, what are some things that you'd say to hygienists to to help guide them through some of the challenges that they have if their doctors are not on board with that? Well, I have two pieces of advice. Number one, look within and see what value maybe you're not bringing and what value you could bring and see if there's opportunities for growth within your operatory. That's number one. Number two, look at your dentist and look at their value system. Mine, you know, I have a different value system, you know, possibly than say the guy down the street or the girl down the street. You know, if you come to me and you say, oh, I think this is going to improve patient care. We're going to be able to help our patients. Patients are going to be comfortable and happy and, you know, and it's good for the practice. I'm usually like, yes, let's do it. If your boss is like, I just want to make money. Well, then. Talk about how that piece of equipment or that technology or material or whatever you want to bring in is going to bring more revenue to the practice. At this point, as long as you've been in the office for a period of time, you know what the owner's value system is and play to that. Such good advice. Yep. Such good advice. I have a question about something. Hit it, Irene. Can I hit it? Hit it. Hit me. Um, (laughs) You said something about working oh. for Endeavor on Wednesdays or whatever that is. Um, I read a lot of your stuff on Dentistry IQ and I find it fascinating on the content side, but also on your time management side. And I think that's a question that <laughs> yes. a lot of high achieving people will ask of how do you, how do you split your brain up between 
being a practice owner, being an employer, being a spouse, being a dog mom. Uh, you like yoga. I don't know if you still play hockey. Um, and then you have to sit down. No, no more hockey. And then you sit down and you have to write content. How do you, how do you find time? How do you make time? You know, it's kind of funny. It just sort of happens. You know, I tend, like I said, I say yes to a lot of things. And then when you have a due date, you're like, I just got to make it work. Um, I do try to limit my practice to three days a week. Um, with the way the schedule's been post COVID, it's been crazy. So I've been pretty much working three and a half to four days a week. Mm. And um, so I've got surgical ha hair, just like you guys. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things that you just sort of have to, I have, you know, I always have a post-it on my computer. I always have a to-do list. I rely on my calendar. I don't, don't ask me to do something. And if I don't write it down or put it in my calendar, it's not going to happen. So I feel like um, I'm very task list oriented and I find that's really helpful. Um, I do find that I don't, I multitask, but not really. I don't like to, I can't really write something when I'm in the office and I don't really like doing office things when I'm trying to write an article. Like I feel like there's mm -hmm. just times when you have to kind of stop and compartmentalize and do things um, it's a, it's a side gig really. And so it's a weekend, it's an evening thing that I do. Um, one of the beautiful things about owning a practice is if I don't have a patient, I don't have to look busy. I can be busy just writing something or doing mm -hmm. something like that if I need to. And, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting this role with Endeavor because I have to constantly create content. And I think that's why I love video so much because it's sort of, done you yeah. shoot your video mm -hmm. and that's it it's done and you move on to the next project where writing I could I could hem and haw over it for yeah. quite a while so mm -hmm. I think you know for me I find video to be just much easier because you can get the content get it done and sort of move on to the next thing if you get excited about something and if there's a topic that's interesting to you it doesn't feel like this this weight that's holding you down I do you want to hear an article I want to write about Yes, yes, of course. Okay, it's crazy. Uh oh. Okay. No, I love this even better. <laughs> yeah. So a few weeks ago, I was totally scandalized. I had a pay. I had actually, I had a funeral home call the office, oh. and I had a patient that passed away. She was sick for a while, and so we knew it was coming. Her husband told me that she wasn't doing well a few um, couple months before, and the funeral home called, and they said she's here, and the family wants you to take her gold crowns out. Stop it. Mm, I yeah. heard this. Yes. This is and crazy. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, excuse no. me. <laughs> I'm like, she was sick for how long? And she could have come in while like, you know, whatever. And yeah. they want wanted now? the gold. They want the gold. How much I mean, money I don't, I don't... could that really be in gold? Like, what are we talking gold about? Gold is worth a lot right now, Irene. How much though? In a crown? I mean, like, like... what is it? Like wafer thin like, how much gold are we talking about here? Not enough for me to go and do it. Let's put it that way. So, oh my gosh. So now wait, I'm wait, 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 thinking... What was your first thought? Like, this this happens, right? And like, <laughs> because this is my first thought. My first thought would be, well, I guess I, I wouldn't have to anesthetize her. 
Oh God, Katrina! My you first gross. thought was, "Did you look at the phone number? Who the f is calling me? It's one of my friends, and I'm being punked. Like, who is calling me?" She's oh, like, "No, okay, yeah." I was like, "Somebody's joking, like, because this can't be real." Like, no, and she's like, "No, no, no, it's yeah, it's a local number. Like, it's I don't know." And so, yeah, no. So I How was like, "How many teeth okay. are we talking about here? Are we talking about like two, or are we talking about like every posterior tooth, every molar? Like, are we talking about like ten teeth or like three? She had two gold crowns, but a total of six crowns. So she had a couple of PFMs in there too. So why would they take the, what are they going to do with the PFMs? I don't know. Down well, the here's the thing. And- I don't know. So I, so the funeral home is asking me about doing this. And coincidentally, the woman that I bought my practice from, I don't do this, but she did. She used to cement all of her fixed prosthetics with temp cement. So technically speaking, you should be able to get this thing off. Although I will say it's not always easy. And sometimes it's impossible. I I was just so surprised and I wasn't really prepared for this conversation. Hence, I want to write it as an article. Yeah. And I, um, so I was like, okay, I'm not sure. We, we just need to figure this out. But I'm kind of torn because my first reaction is um, no, thank you. Obviously, not interested. Um, but then secondly, the rest of my family, the uh, rest of the, their family is my patients. Uh, and so I'm you thinking, wanna, right, you'll lose. A whole like, I don't want them to think that I'm not being supportive of their, you know, her final wish, if, which gosh, why is that your final wish? I have no idea. And Wait, um, was that it, in her final wishes? She wanted you to go and take the teeth out. I don't know. I don't think oh. it was in any sort of advanced directive, because if it was, I my understanding after talking to Howard Glazier about this is that it would be a. Um, <gasps> like the medical examiner would do this. And so I I called everybody. I called Howard. I called Chris Salerno. I was like, guys, like, what am I going to do? What did Chris say? I swear Chris must have said something (laughs) hilarious. Like there's no way Chris was like, "Hmm, well, let me evaluate the code of conduct. He must have, he was like three Negronis in for sure. When you had that conversation, what did the Chris Salerno? I'm crying right now. Chris, if you're listening, I'm crying. What did Chris say? I want to know. So it started as a text. So I texted him and I was like, hey, are you, you know, I need to you, talk to hey, you. Hey, you like, up? Can I talk to you right now? Yeah. I was like, hey, I need to talk up. to you. And he's like, oh, I have a call. Can I whatever? And I was like, yes, just as a heads up. And I kind of sent him a synopsis of my, my issue. And I was like, I'm wondering if as a practice management expert, have you heard of this? Is there a consent form? Like, is like, do you know an attorney that like, like who deals with this? Who signs and, the consent um, form? Oh I don't God. know. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. And so he basically was like, yeah, you know, you should probably talk to your attorney. I've never heard of a dentist oh having to do this. I would probably say no. Um, but <laughs> you know, um, you should probably talk with your attorney first and see what they have to say. And so Howard Glazer, Glazer works at the um, medical examiner's office in New Jersey. And I'm like, you have to help me. Like, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, you're not supposed to modify like a, a body after, right, after, after they die. Deceased, so right. he's like, I'm not sure if this is even legal for you to do. And I was like, thank Ooh. you. Thank you. Thank you. Because that's a great reason why I can't do it. Um, and then ultimately the funeral home spoke again to the husband who finally decided that it was unnecessary to do. So thankfully well, that, I didn't well, have to do it. That's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if you had I, like a three carat diamond in your like canine, then I think that that maybe like you know like one of those like heavy duty tooth gems, but a real diamond maybe, but a gold crown made in nineteen sixty two. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It's definitely not something that's worth it. But I do think that if I was faced with this kind of horrible dilemma, I'm pretty sure other people have or will be. So I'm going to do a little research on it and find out, is it in fact legal, at least in Massachusetts? Is it, you know, what's kind of the steps you should go through Let's to know if you can even in fact do it? Let's enlist the power of the listeners. For those of you that perhaps have been or heard or have done uh, any of the previously mentioned, um, I think you should shoot us a DM. We'll link all of our Instagram stuff. I mean, you know ours, but we'll link Dr. Pam's Instagram. I'm sure she would appreciate a slide in the DM with a situation like this. Um, Wow. Yeah, it was interesting. I feel yeah. like we definitely need to do a part two because we're we've only gotten we, to the dead body and there's so I much know, more to I talk know. about. There's I mean, so much. there's like a million <laughs> different a achievements, accolades, yeah. articles that you've written. I mean, I want to know so much about where you get your inspiration to write from. And I know you work for DE, but you know it still comes from within you and your curiosity for dentistry. Even after all that you've accomplished, you still write very curious. Um, yeah articles like I read your stuff and it's like you're trying to dig in a little bit deeper to the things that you've worked with I don't know that's just my perception I think we all read things a little differently but that's your tone is never of like an I know everything about everything your tone is about like I've tried this this is what I've done this is what I found and I find it interesting it's never like I am the smartest human in the world which you are top one percent for sure she is for sure yeah for sure but it's it's always like a very like down to our level everyone's level anyone can take from it what they want and i find that really inspiring and i like it i really do i think that you are a fabulous writer i appreciate that i love it well katrina well dr pam it is unfortunately that time it's yes do do you know what time it is dr pam I don't know. (laughs) Um, Are you asking me the time? Unfortunately, it is is the end of the podcast, but it is the beginning of an adventure. If you're open Mm -hmm. to adventures, Mm -hmm. Um, we are called the Tooth or Dare podcast for a reason. Uh, At the end of every show, Katrina and and I do a visually impaired version of rock, paper, scissors, and the loser gets to go up against you. You can choose whether you accept a tooth or a dare, Mm -hmm. or if you dish out a tooth or a dare to the loser so while you think about what your intentions are um to accept or or dish um katrina and i will will do the thing you ready to do the thing you're gonna have to I'm, count us I'm in though because katrina katrina does apparently this, this, i cheat because i win all thing. the time so i cheat so there's mm-hmm. you do rock paper scissors and shoot and then you tell us when to shoot okay okay rock paper scissors shoot Oh, I lost. Ooh, I'm a loser. See, but, All right. Okay, that was good. That was right. good because now Irene isn't blaming me for cheating. So oh, I lost. Good. Okay. Uh, all right, peeps. Uh, in the meantime, while Dr. Pam thinks about whether she would like to accept a tooth or a dare or dish a tooth or a dare, I encourage you all to follow us on Instagram. You can follow me, Irene, at toothlife.irene. You can follow Katrina on Instagram at the Dental Wine Genist. And you can follow Dr. Pam at Dr. Pam underscore Maragliano 
on Instagram. <laughs> uh, I will link all of that stuff below. Um, yeah. So, Dr. Pam, you and me, girlfriend, would you like all to right, accept well, or would you like to dish? I will accept. And since I've already given out way too many tooths, I think I'm going to take a dare. Oh, you yes. do not know what you just <laughs> did. This is so exciting. I, oh, I just oh, my God. Oh, this is so good. She will accept a dare. Okay. I dare you. So this gets filmed and then it goes up on social media within seven days of this episode launching. So I dare you to do a glow down. So that means that you um, go to the office looking your beautiful, fabulous self, and then you do a time lapse of some kind where you go from looking glam to looking operatory in a time lapse. Ask Amber. She'll know what it's all about. She can help you film okay. it. So basically, you're doing a time lapse of you coming in looking like the diva that you are boom, boom, boom. and then going into scrubs gown scrub cap loops face shield mask gloves not in that order because then it's not ipac compliant but you know what i mean um do you accept it's not gonna be pretty but yes. i accept oh, it's good. i also will make awesome. i will make some music suggestions i mean you can you can do it to music the easiest way to do it is just to like open spotify or something on your phone um the the uh, I'm too sexy for my shoes, ah, too sexy uh, like that. Do, 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 do you remember that song? Sexy. Of yes. course, do, 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 right? I, will, Fred. I, I strongly recommend that song. I mean, you can choose whatever tunes you'd like, but that's what I suggest. Except, dare accepted. Yes. <laughs> Yes. All right, peeps. Stay tuned at toothordare.podcast on Instagram to watch this dare go down. Thank you so much, Dr. Pam, for being here today. We absolutely love you. And we are so proud of everything that you've done and how you empower your dental hygienist to provide the best treatment. I really do. Thank you for that. Thank Thank you so much. That's so meaningful. Thank you. Thank you. All right, peeps. Until next time. Peace out, peeps. Cheers. And we're back. We're back. back on back. the flippity flip Flippity with flip. Dr. Pamela. Don't break this heart of mine. Was that good? Did you guys love that episode? Was it amazing? Everyone say yes right now. Yes. Ready? One, two, three. Yes. yes. Uh, in your cars, roll down the window. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I imagine you're like at a stoplight, like, yes, like screaming to the car next to you. <laughs> They're just like, oh, like, uh, I think she might have Tourette's. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, she's really cool. She she almost took your place on this episode, on this podcast. Oh. Back in the day. Back in the day when I was that picking been a new a, host. That would have been an improvement, <laughs> Stop. <laughs> huge improvement. Stop it. No one could replace you, sugar. Oh, my thanks. little gingerbread muffin, my little gingerbread cookie, my little gingerbread house. Gingerbreads, gingers have souls. All of those things. All Anyways, things. uh yes, so that was our episode. Thank you so much, for Dr. Yeah. Pam, for hanging out with us. And thanks to our peeps at Hugh Freedy for sponsoring yet another yes. amazing episode and providing us with all of the amazing tools to keep our offices fresh and so clean, clean, so fresh and, fresh so, and clean, so clean, clean, clean. and keep um, our resolutions going. That's what we yeah. want to do. The whole point of a resolution yes. is you're going to make the change and do it. Just do it. Just, Just do get it. it. Um, yes, and I will definitely be linking um, the 
uh, N95 masks from Crosstex that I've been wearing because they are the most comfortable things in the entire planet. And I remember I gave Dr. Minoj one. Um, oh. So, like, our docs wear them. So Dr. Minoj was like, Dr. Minoj, come and try this new N95. He put it on and he was like, what? This mm. is an N95? He's like, I can move and I can breathe. And he was like, and then over enunciating his words to make his like cheeks move around because you can't do that with a 3M mask. Yeah. You feel like you're you're like falling out of an airplane and the G forces are pushing your eyes back to the back of your head. Like that's yeah. basically what it feels like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will do a side by side comparison. Um, yeah, while whilst riding a roller coaster. Good, um, good, yeah. yes, like, yes, with a funnel quick, cake in quick, hand. Quick, like, let's go to Canada's Wonderland. <laughs> Lou, Emily, book the tickets, we're going. <laughs> um, yeah, so, anywho. All Aww. right, well, any, any final final remarks that you'd like to make to our peeps and wishing them a, a happy new year? Honestly, I just, yes, let's, let's make 2021 a good year. I mean, I feel like we're all at rock bottom uh, with 2020. So like, yeah. it's not going to be that hard for 2021 to be like a good year. But also I want to remind everybody that there were some silver lining things in 2020. There were good things that happened. All of us, either we were able to spend more time at home or, you know, discover self-love or, you know, do home improvements or Marie Kondo our house or like whatever. <laughs> like we had, there were so many opportunities that we had to like do better in 2020 to really look inside and reflect. And so, you know, honor that and know that 2021 is going to be an amazing year. And I'm so excited uh, for season three of Tooth or Dare podcast. It's going to be awesome. Can you believe it? Season three. Yes. It's going to be. We got a good year ahead of us. We're super excited. We're working with some really amazing um, people. And it's just, it's going to be a fantastic year. So I'm super excited. um, And cheers to that. Yeah. Until next time, peace out, peeps. Cheers. Can we talk? Can we talk about um, how over and above I go when I treat little humans? Why? This, what did you do? This is what I wore with an appointment with a patient today who's six. I can't. Is is that a jasmine mask? It's jasmine safety goggles. <laughs> That's extra, girl. Yes. I can see shit. <laughs> We should do a podcast on like ha- like beauty tips for like how do you not get your hair to have scrub cap hair? I'm dr- I'm drinking wine just for you. Okay, so you've got glitter. You're drinking wine. Irene's got her dog. Like got a poodle. Oh, I, I have to get back. I've got a poodle. I've got a little poodle who Put missed you, mommy all day Put today. Up. I missed my mama. Lou, tell them not to do that. Lou, tell Lou. us to slow it down, Lou. Lou. Slow your. So mind. I didn't prepare anything. Are we still so like? Okay. No. no, there's no preparation. Can I pronounce your name the way that I normally pronounce people's names with a very thick accent? Sure. Okay. All right. Are you ready? This is going to be great. <laughs> oh, buckle up. Buckle up. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Oh, it's going to be, it's this, wow. you, you will, nobody has ever pronounced your name the way that Irene is about to pronounce it is where All we're going right. with this. Okay. Hey, Richard. Can I have the headset? Oh. And the meatloaf. Thank you. Mm. There we go. Is that better? Whoa. Oh. All right. Yes. Okay. So, us, okay. Us, let's uh, turn your audio down a little bit.
I love it all. <laughs> I just love everything. Just do the thing, Irene.